Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. Hey guys, welcome to the beginning of my series on the greater works of the Holy Spirit. This is a passionate topic for me, and I'm going to be sharing today with you how I first um, met the Holy Spirit, more specifically the second encounter of the Spirit, what a lot of people call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to be real and raw with you in regard to just really my journey and um, not just into salvation, but into my understanding of the greater works of the Holy Spirit. I try to tell people all the time, like, we don't know what we don't know. And I uh, first came into salvation when I was 18. Um, uh, and I believe 100% um, that at that moment, the Holy Spirit came rushing into me and filled me from the top of my head all the way down to the tips of my toes. I like to tell people that's when the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ, the nature of Christ became my potential um, through the Holy Spirit. So when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control um, that we find in Galatians 5.22. Um, and so when I'm talking about through this entire series, when I'm talking about the encounter of the Holy Spirit, for me personally, I'm talking about that second encounter of the Holy Spirit. And, and again, today I'm talking about my um, experience with that. And then I'm going to be teaching what does the Bible have to say about the two encounters of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being in you and then the Holy Spirit being upon you. Um, the Holy Spirit being in you, for you, the Holy Spirit coming upon you for others, um, that engages us into ministry, um, basically engages us into that, um, that overflow where we begin to not just um, live in, but the Holy Spirit lives through us. So uh, one of my passions is really um, obviously leading people to Christ and teaching them about salvation, but more so I am passionate about people who are saved but are living disempowered. And the reason for that is because once I got saved at the age of 18, I still struggled so much um, with clinical depression, panic anxiety attacks, um, and I at best came to this place where I learned how to manage those things in my life. I had some really good coping skills. I learned how to kind of um, mentally work myself through depression, mentally work myself through panic anxiety attacks. I engaged in breathing exercises. And as a counselor, I teach those things um, as a way to manage until we get to a place of total deliverance. But what I started to really realize was where scripture talks about that it is for this purpose that the Son of Man was manifested, that he would destroy the works of the devil. I started to really ask myself, like, what does it look like to live um, beyond just a state of managing, beyond just a state of coping, and really come into complete deliverance? So push the pause button on that because that was one area on a personal level that God was really working on with me that really started me um, being curious and asking questions. Um, I tell people a lot of times, like, we don't need to fear being curious. Um, that a lot of times that's the spirit alluring us to discover um, something more, to discover something about ourselves. If you watched the series on mental, emotional first aid, I talked a lot about that self-awareness and being curious about yourself. 
Um, I believe curiosity is a biological drive. Actually, scientifically it is. So that's more than I believe. Scientifically, they say it is a biological drive. And I believe that is a drive that God has given to us to draw us deeper into a level of discovery. Um, so if you're watching this video and you're curious, I want to give you permission to be curious. I think a lot of times we fear um, being curious because it might shake our current belief system. It might kind of poke holes in what we've always thought and what we've always um, believed. And sometimes that's a um, just a unnerving feeling. Um, and so I want to give you permission that if you feel allured, if you feel drawn into the this series, um, recognize that that's probably the prompting, the alluring, the drawing of the Holy Spirit, wanting you to see that perhaps there's something you don't know, that there could be more for you. Um, so as I kind of flip to the other side of this and talk about what was happening in my professional life as I was beginning to grow in my teaching and training and doing a lot of conferences around the United States, um, I really felt um, convicted um, by the passage, the verse in 1 Corinthians um, 2, 4, where it says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words by human wisdom, but rather they were a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but rather on the power of God. And I really started to ask myself, like, what does that look like um, from a pulpit? What does that look like as I'm teaching and preaching in wherever it is I'm at? Um, and I really had to be honest with myself and say, you know, I really feel like God has given me a gift or I have a gift of persuasive teaching or speech. Um, and while I think there are times where God uses that to his favor, we understand also it can be used not to our favor for the kingdom as well. Meaning it's very easy to manipulate an audience. And I'm just, I'm just being honest with you guys. For those of you who watched the Holy Spirit part one and part two, the talk show, you heard me say like, I even took a class at one point that said basically how to win your audience over. Um, and so speakers, really good savvy speakers are kind of taught how to persuade or influence the audience. Um, and that's not necessarily always bad, but what I was reading in scripture is that God was saying, I have something more for you. I don't want you to persuade or influence the audience into salvation. I don't want you to debate them. I don't want you to convince them. I don't want you to intellectually um, persuade them and again, influence them into the kingdom. I want my gospel not to be a debate. I don't want it to be a talk. I want it to be a demonstration of power. We know the scripture says that the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. So all of these passages, all of these verses, the Holy Spirit was really just stirring up inside of me, honestly, to allure me into a place of discovering that God had something more for me, that God wanted me to discover, come into, come under the power of the Holy Ghost and really begin to move, not in persuasion, not in influence, not out of really good, savvy speeches or talks but really begin to add to the gospel the demonstration um, that people desperately want. Look, we are filled with a world, um, politics, social media, where people are giving you their opinion, and we are so easily persuaded um, that we have come to a place where we are hungering for something different. Um, I tell people all the time, this is why our youth 
are watching um, like all kinds of Netflix series that uh, display the supernatural. This is why they're playing video games where they get to pick their power because they're drawn into the supernatural. Because we, in our natural design in Christ, in our in our original creation, we were created to crave the supernatural because we were created to walk in a demonstration of the kingdom here on earth where it talks about um, the kingdom of heaven is here on earth. We are that intersection. We are supposed to be where the kingdom, the supernatural collides with the natural and becomes a display to those around us. So many examples of this we see in scripture. When Jesus says to the disciples, you feed the multitude. When he says, uh, you roll away the stone. There's so many places where God uses man to manifest or activate the supernatural work of the kingdom. Jesus could have taken those two fish and those five loaves and could have multiplied it, boom, just like that. But he gave it to the disciples and he said, you go and feed the multitude. And as they went, the miracle actually was activated through the disciples. And this is what we're talking about. And so I start reading scripture and start really allowing the Holy Spirit and not being afraid to ask questions, not being afraid to consider that maybe the theology, maybe the doctrine I had always been taught was incomplete, not wrong, but just incomplete. Because I was raised under a very staunch denomination and then I shifted to another staunch denomination that believed, taught um, on cessationism, which means that the works, the manifestational works, healing, deliverance, miracles, signs had ceased. And I was confident, y'all, on those thoughts. But I found myself really yearning and being allured for something more. And I found myself sick and tired of being sick and tired. I kept thinking in my, in my head, if, if the Bible says that Jesus died to utterly destroy the works of the devil, then why have I become satisfied with simply out of my flesh and out of my own strength managing my depression? Why am I still struggling with this? And I think about all the classes that we have out there like anger management, um, how to cope with your depression, how to cope with anxiety instead of how to overcome and walk in victory, how to be set free. I am not interested in managing my anger. I am not interested in managing my depression. I am interested in being set free and completely overcoming those things like the Bible says. That's what scripture tells us. And so I'm just telling you my um, testimony of seeking the truth of all of the different scriptures that I believe the Holy Spirit were, was bringing back up um, to my mind and to my heart. And again, in the episodes to follow, I'm going to be teaching through the scriptures on where do we see Jesus receiving the baptism? Where do we see the disciples receiving the baptism? Where do we see the disciples then going and ministering the baptism? When I'm talking about the baptism, I'm talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which again, even that phrase has become somewhat divisive. We don't realize that that phrase is actually used in the book, book of Acts. And we have to be willing to say, look, maybe what I've always thought um, has not necessarily been wrong, but it's been incomplete. And I've been stuck in things that God has has sent Jesus to completely set me free from. 
I want to challenge you to consider, could there be more for you? Could there be more understanding of the Holy Spirit? Could there be more power that you could be walking in freedom for you, but also more empowerment in your ministry, whether it's at your workplace, whether it's in your relationships, you understand like your marriage is a ministry, your relationships is a ministry, your children are your ministry, your siblings are your ministry. Every place you go, when you go to Walmart, when you go to Albertsons, when you go to the grocery store, wherever it is you go, you are entering into the mission field because God has called you to be an ambassador for Christ. Walking in the reconciliation of your own um, in your own relationship with the Lord, walking in the reconciliation of Christ through the blood of Jesus. And I want you to consider, y'all, I'm so passionate about this. I'm just trying to talk real to you right now. I want you to be empowered. I want you to consider that possibly there is more for you. I'm talking about coming into more than just a knowledge, but coming into an empowerment. Um, the Bible says in James 2.19, you believe that there is one God good. Even the demons believe in that and, and they shudder. And it's the idea of saying, like, I need to be walking in more than just a knowledge. I need to be walking in signs and wonders and in miracles. Do you know that in Mark 16, it says um, the very first sign of the evidence of a believer is that they would cast out demons in my name. It says this in the message. These are some of the signs that will accompany believers. They will throw out demons in my name. Look. We're not throwing out demons. We're managing demons. When you say, I've learned how to manage my depression, I've learned how to manage my anger. When I say, oh, I've learned how to work through that thought process, I don't want to work through it anymore. I don't want to spend 30 seconds managing or wrestling a demon that God has said, you have the power to throw it out in the name of Jesus. This is what I'm talking about. Really getting us to recognize that there is always more freedom to be had. And I need you to become discontent, feel the holy discontent of the spirit saying, Ooh, maybe there's something more recognizing that perhaps you are bored in the way your current relationship with the Lord is. And you're, you're hungering and you're craving something more. Be okay with that. Press into that. Always go back to the scriptures. Your scripture is your anchor. I understand people are like, oh my gosh, all that experience stuff. It's hooky mooky. It's whatever. Take your experiences. Don't be afraid of experiences, but then confirm your experience with the word. That's what I had to do because I'm telling you, I was freaked out when I first began to experience um, all of the things that Mark 16 says. Let me finish reading it to you. They will throw out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up snakes in their hands. They will drink poison and not be hurt. They will lay hands on the sick and make them well. When it's talking about taking up snakes with their hands, it's talking about all those foul spirits that we struggle with. Talking about that foul depression, that foul anxiety, that foul anger, that foul uh, discouragement, whatever it is you're struggling with, that, that addiction, those foul spirits that we struggle with, the Bible says that a sign that you are a believer is that you will take those things up and you will cast them out in the name of Jesus. You will speak in a new tongue. Um, yes, absolutely, I believe in speaking in the new tongues, in, in tongues, but I also believe more specifically that even our English language should have a new flavor to it. We should be speaking in a supernatural love with supernatural compassion. 
So I'm not disputing speaking in tongues as definitely a sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I'm also saying that there should be a new tongue, even in our English language, a new way of speaking where I speak with a compassion that I never spoke, um, that I never spoke before, that I speak with a supernatural love, that I have grace for people that I wouldn't have grace for in my own natural man, speaking in a whole new language, in a whole new way, laying hands on the sick, ministering healing, being that manifestation station of the kingdom healing rushing into somebody's body. You guys, I am so excited about this entire series because I want us to recognize that there is more, but also how it relates in our practical life, how the supernatural work relates to your business, relates to your marriage, relates to your your government, whatever it is you're in, all of this connects. This is what sets the kingdom people apart. And if all we are doing is believing in salvation and then just managing our demons and we don't come into the empowerment of the spirit, even the world can manage their demons, y'all. Even the world can manage their addiction, even the world. But I'm interested in being utterly, completely set free. This passage in the message goes on to say, then... The master Jesus, after briefing them, was taken up to heaven and he sat down beside God in the place of honor. And the disciples went everywhere preaching and the master working right with them, validating the message with indisputable evidence. Um, in New King James, it says, accompanying the message with signs, meaning Again, our message should not just be about talk. It shouldn't just be a debate. It should be a demonstration. We see Jesus demonstrate this in the scriptures over and over and over again. If you have not read my book, Discipleship from Information to Execution, I want you to read it because it talks about how do I shift the information that I've gotten about the kingdom and about Jesus into a life of executing the word of God being made flesh in my life. So I am a living demonstration of the power of the supernatural love, of the supernatural grace, of the, the evidence of his healing power. All of these things, my life is a demonstration. So I don't have to engage in a debate with you. I don't have to talk about it. Um, Paul says that my uh, the evidence, my testimony isn't written on tablets. It's written on the hearts of man, meaning you can see evidence through the demonstration of his message to, in the people around him that he ministered to. You could see evidence that the kingdom worked. You could see evidence that the gospel was true because people were being set free. There were signs in their life. They were being delivered. They were being healed. They were changing. They were no longer angry where they were no longer bitter. They were set free from their addiction. They were set free from their depression. I cannot express to you enough kingdom of God. It is time for us to wake up and come into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 12, 16 and 17 Jesus says most assuredly I say to you that he who believes in me the works that I do will he will do also even greater works will he do because I go to my father it goes on and it says and I will pray to the father and he will give you another helper that will abide with you forever he's talking about the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because he neither sees him sees him or knows him but you know him and he dwells in you and will be in you. 
He's talking about the greater works. Think about all the works that Jesus did. Think about all the works that Jesus did. And he says, I must leave so that a greater one will come, will live and breathe within you so that you will do even greater works than I did. How can we, how can we dispute that? That's what the scripture says. And so when I think about the healings, the deliverances, the casting out, the supernatural love, the, the coming into the kingdom, the people who were rescued through the presence of Jesus, not just as, not necessarily just by the words of Jesus, but just through the presence of Jesus. How can we dispute that we are missing out if we are not living in that fullness? When he says, greater works than these, you will do. Greater works than these, I will do. So we're going to be really talking a lot. We're going to talk about it. Like we don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. People think it's, think it's weird. They think it's weird when you speak in tongues. They think it's weird when you fall out. It is weird because it's supernatural. But I want to serve a supernatural God. I want to be different from the world. I want to operate not out of my own strength, not out of my own persuasion, not out of my own intellect, not out of my own knowledge, my own education. I want to operate in a supernatural fashion through the moving of the Holy Spirit within me and upon me. Okay, you guys. So this is episode one of how I met the Holy Spirit. I'm going to continue telling you my story throughout this entire um, series where we're going to really be delving into what does the scripture say about the greater works of the Holy Spirit. All right, y'all. Don't forget enforcing purpose. It starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening.